and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AJF Last, and with myself, Steve Nussbaum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Stand Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed for that tremendous intro. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode 233. And thanks, as always, to everybody who tuned in to last week's show. This week, a um, bit of a busy show this week. Uh, we've got the Bolton game to review. We've got a bit of news from around the club. Um, we're going to dissect that Bolton game a little bit. A lot of people very, very active on social media uh, yesterday after the game, showing their annoyance. So I think with plenty to talk about, let's cut this down to a minimum and let's crack on. And as always, we start with a word from our sponsor. We absolutely do. So our sponsors are AJF Plastering, who are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial works, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And you must know this by now, the best part of the offer that they give us as Orient fans is a lovely, beautiful 15% off discount. So if that sounds nice and that sounds sexy to you, if you'd like more information for the best plastering and rendering prices around, you can visit their website at www.ajfplastering.co.uk. You can drop them an email at ajfplastering at outlook.com or AJ Plastering are on social media. You can find them at Facebook and Instagram, AJF Plastering, or on Twitter at Big Ads LOFC. So anything you need doing, plastering or rendering, get in contact with Adam and the team, and they will be able to give you a lovely 15% off. Absolutely. So moving on then, we've got a few pieces of AOB for you uh, this week. And we were very pleased to hear that um, Simon Feldman from the Late Orient Supporters Club, many uh, of you who listen to this very podcast know who Simon is uh, and, and admire him greatly. He's now back at his nursing home, thankfully. You probably remember a couple of weeks ago we picked up on social media from his son uh, that he'd spent a short period in hospital. So we are delighted that he is now back at his uh, nursing home, all safe and sound. Someone else who's on the mend is O's chief scout, Steve Foster, who uh, recently um, called COVID. He's recovered now. He's all better. Uh, He's posting away on Facebook. Steve, wishing you better, mate. Glad glad to see you, you know, uh, feeling good, looking good, (laughs) and look forward, hopefully, to seeing you some point in the future. Absolutely. And anybody who is unwell or suffering from COVID, we wish you a speedy recovery uh, as well. We want to give a shout out to um, Chavet110, I'm not sure if I pronounced that right, who sent us a tweet in the week that said, Evening lads, just a quick hello from a Danish O supporter. Love the show. Well done and up the O. So just want to say thank you very much indeed. Wherever you are listening to us in the world, thank you very much indeed. It means an awful lot to us. Um, that we have you listening all over Europe, Middle East, Africa, uh, Asia, Australia, Canada, South America, America, wherever you are in the world. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Yeah, we're lucky enough to have um, access to some great stats and we are privileged to see how far and wide the podcast goes. So like Paul said, if you're yeah. listening anywhere strange in the world or a country that you wouldn't expect going fans to pop up, pop up in give us an email or you know get in contact on twitter um like our danish friend chave 110 did and finally with aob we were saddened to learn of the passing of a member of the orient family uh eric golden 
who passed away earlier in the week. So our condolences go to his son, Mark, and the rest of the family. Absolutely. So moving on then to the week that was. Coulson Monday, the 25th of January, the club announced a new partnership with USL club Hartford Athletic, who are based in Connecticut, USA. We're going to be sharing best practices and knowledge between the clubs and potential player loans, future soccer camps and more. Nigel Travis was quoted as saying, Bruce and I have been talking for months and have learned a considerable amount from each other already. I'm excited for our club relationship to continue and grow. Hope our fans will begin to support Harford Athletic, albeit remotely. Yeah, so, you know, we're lucky to have listeners, as as we've alluded to, I guess, earlier in the podcast, all over the world. Um, On the news of this coming out, we received an email uh, from Leon Offen, who's a nose fan ex-youth player and centre an excellent coach who has been residing in Connecticut since 2005 and filled us in on a bit more information regarding Hartford Athletic. So gave us a bit more info about the area. I said Hartford, the capital of Connecticut, is between New York and Boston. It's got a wealthy fan base, passionate supporters. There's no major league teams in the state. Well, if you want to watch that, you'd have to travel to New York or Boston. It's a football-savvy audience, as many expats reside in Connecticut due to the national HQs of business being in Connecticut. And apart from New England Revolution in the MLS, this club is the closest USL Championship team to Nigel Travis. He went on to uh, inform us about a football partnership. He said if Hartford have their paperwork right, um, they would have applied for a certain number of long and short-time visas from the UK. Hartford have struggled to keep their best players due to wages and the high cost of living in Connecticut. The link may keep players. The overlap of schedules may allow players from either team that need it to get competitive games. Hartford plays October to March. Sorry, Hartford players from October to March and Orient from May to August. Uh, pre-season tour is unlikely due to the different timing of the seasons. The training field competitions such as Crossbar Challenge are likely to engage both fans. And the USL is creating its own academy league, under-19s this year, and he's actually helping to create Hartford's under-19s through Connecticut's USL two-team AC, uh, USL two-team AC Connecticut. And this is where he believes the biggest transfer of players will be. Yeah, we all also followed that up by giving us a bit of information about the marketing uh, from Hartford Athletics. So, their average attendance is over 5,000. Their social media numbers are behind that of Orient, but relatively new. They've got a tech savvy audience who could possibly tap in to global companies with interests in East Coast, USA, and London. And went on to say if just 10% of the average attendance purchased one streaming pass at $10, that would be $5,000. And if that 10% purchased 10 streaming passes, that would be $50,000 and thinks that some fans would certainly be happy to receive that in transfer money for certain players. But not to say that half of the Fletcher games are also shown live on Connecticut TV and finished off by saying all USL teams uh, currently are made by Puma in terms of kits. So it'd be interesting to see if Orient would switch when the new balance contract is up. So a massive thank you to Leon there. He sent us more information in his email, but we took the main points of the email out. Massive thank you, Leon, for getting in contact, and we hope you found that useful. Some really good eye-opening um, information within Absolutely. that email. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, really good inside uh, sight and view from from Leon. So thank you very much indeed for that. And just to finish off on Monday, XO Henry Ochang 
joined Watford's under-23s until the end of this season to give them a good look at him. I always thought he had good potential, um, so I was disappointed when we released him. So wish you every success, Henry, and hopefully you get yourself a contract with the under-23s at Watford. Yeah, great move for him. He obviously teams up with Sam Dolby, ex-O striker um, at Watford. So to Huey Tuesday. Yeah, a few there. Yeah, 26th of January. The O's weren't in action, but there were a few League Two fixtures. We slipped down a place in the league to 10th due to Tranmere beating Harrogate 3-2. I remember when we played Tranmere away and we beat them, Tranmere looked awful. But since mm. then, they got rid of their manager. They bought in Keith Hill. And since they've done that, they're absolutely flying. So they're now in the playoff places. Um, but again, that league that we'll come on to a bit later on the podcast is so compact, it's chopping and changing yeah. all the time. But Tranmere's turnaround has been you know, sensational. Yeah, and obviously the reason we didn't play is because we played Forest Green on the Saturday, so uh, yeah. we didn't have to play Saturday, Tuesday. So moving on then to Wednesday the 27th, nothing to report here, but it was uh, nothing club-related to report, but it was Holocaust Memorial Day. Yeah, so Thursday 28th of January, so we'll say happy birthday to super Joshy Coulson. Hope you had a good one, mate. 32. What? Well, no. That's nothing. It's nothing 32. You wait to get to a young Coulson. man. Just a young man. <laughs> Premier League defending champions Liverpool stopped off at the home of football for some final preparations before their 3-1 win against Tottenham. Many of you probably remember the last time they turned up and trained at Orient. They lost to West Ham. So it's a good, good thing that they were able to go and beat Tottenham. Unless you're Tottenham fan, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Let's go on into Mooney Friday, the 29th of Jan. A quiet day uh, at the club. No news to report. Absolutely. So we're going to move on to Saturday the 30th at 1.45. The club announced their third signing of the January transfer window. Uh, with the news that 28-year-old centre-back Adam Thompson had signed for the O's on a one-and-a-half-year deal from Rotherham. Adam was quoted as saying he thinks it's a club going in the right direction, a club with a rich history. It's a big club and he's a good communicator in terms of what he brings uh, as a player. He wants to get on the ball uh, and play football. He's not shy of a dirty game either. He's versatile and can play in a number of positions. Steve, your views? Yeah, it seems like a very good sign, actually. A good age for a centre-back, so he's 28, so that's a good age. He's got experience. He's dropping down from the championship so this isn't a kid who needs a game experience he's been there he's done that two promotions in the last two years so he went up uh, from League 2 with Berry, and then he went up last season uh, League 1 to the championship with Rotherham although he only played 14 games last season and he played 14 games at right back so he's versatile so he loads a centre back it seems like he could be used for other positions but good pedigree I can't argue with that. And I watched his interview um, that the club put out and I like the way he speaks. He seems like he would be a very com good communicator. Seems like a good leader. He seems like a replacement for Josh Coulson, if I'm completely honest. He seems like that type of character where it's a bit of new blood, a bit younger. Uh, reminds me of Nathan Clark in terms yes. of his build and stature and the yeah. way he looks. But yeah. For me, he seems like the natural successor now to Josh Coulson. But, you know... I'm glad because with Nick Freeman and now Adam Thompson, these are players who have been there, done it, have got promotion and want game time and are hungry and have a point to prove. So for me, I'm happy with that. And defence is a position where we feel that we needed someone to come in. So I'm happy he's here. 
seems like a great chat, so I'm all for that. I'm delighted with that. What about yourself, Paul? No, I, I echo everything you've just said there. I mean, I don't know him. I've never seen him play. I don't remember necessarily him playing. But like you say, the fact that he's got two promotions out of this league... Uh, and has been at a higher level, you know. Rotherham are in the uh, in the championship, so you know from that perspective, you know he's he's done very very well, um, and I think that's a good quality addition. You know, it goes in line with what Ross and I think Martin have alluded to on numerous occasions, or Kent in particular has said. You know, they want League One ready players, and I think that's what we're slowly starting to assemble. Is at a good age, like you say, twenty eight is good. I just hope, as I've never seen him play, I just hope he's mobile enough. Um, one of the things that um, um, impressed me was the fact that he said, I'm not shy of a dirty game, you know, so he knows that League Two is a bit of a, a different league to what you get in League One or the Championship. So, you know, fair play to him and, and hopefully he'll be a good quality addition um, to the squad. But only time will yeah, tell. Yeah, what, 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 it's always good. And we saw this with Extreme the other week when a player leaves a club and the supporters of the club that the player's leaving are all kind of upset and haven't got a bad word to say about him so we saw that with Nick Freeman and we saw something very similar yesterday with Rotherham fans um, when mm. the news got announced that he was leaving lots of Rotherham fans saying again he's far too good for League 2 he was really good last year when they got promoted out of a higher league so it's good to see that and thank you to Orient Itis who uh, sent us a message yes. with some quotes from the South End message board again kind of alluding to the same thing by saying it's a good signing at this level so, you know, hopefully now we've got a good centre-back ready to progress his career, his experience, he'll be settled. Again, to me, seems like a very good leader and someone who's vocal on the pitch. Sometimes when Joby McEnough isn't in that team, we, could, we can be missing that kind of character. Mm. So, yeah. Well, I think happy. we lack that now. I don't know how vocal Joby is, to be honest with you. I, I don't... Obviously, you can't really tell from, from watching it... Um, uh, from watching it on this stream but you know you, you do need someone at the back I think maybe I'm a bit too, too traditional that, that can shout and holler and guide um, and, and we had that in the Nathan Clark yeah. era you know they weren't shy of, of calling each other and telling them and, and whatnot. but um, yeah so no good signing I think potentially Brilliant so that was announced at 1.45 and in just 15 minutes later it was time to announce the team for Bolton away. But before we do that, we'll give you the ad news from our Twitter poll. So a bit different this week. We launched it at 9am on Saturday morning. We had 197 votes uh, in just under three hours. So thanks to everyone who voted. God knows why I decided to finish it at midday. But I did seem like a good idea at the time. But we won't be doing that uh, in future. So the results came in with only 22% of you thinking that Orion would lose the game. 26% of you thinking that the game would be a draw, with an overwhelming majority, 52% of you, thinking that Orient would win the game. As always, thank you for all of your votes. Yep, so as you said earlier, at 2 o'clock the team was announced with Lawrence Vigaru in goal, Ling Coulson, Akinola and Brophy at the back, with Clay Kiprianu and McEnough across the midfield, Kemp Wilkinson and Satorio uh, filled in up top. Sergeant Sweeney, Widdison, Turley, Cissé, Dayton and new-ish signing Nick Freeman made the substitutes bench for this one. Yeah, so that meant that there were three changes to the team side in last week's defeat to Forest Green Rovers. Josh Coulson came in for the suspended Dan Happy, who's now out now for two games. Hector Kiprianu came in for Usise. And Dan Kemp came in for the injured Leanne Goal. New signing Adam Thompson, not included in the squad, as he was signed after the deadline for this match. So for me... I was happy with that team when I saw it. The changes were always expected, so I was happy. You know, obviously, 
Ross's hand is forced with happy suspension, so Coulson's a natural player to come in. Angle's injury means Satoyu was always going to be moving to the middle, and Kemp at the time, who I thought would be playing on the left, and we'll speak about that a bit more detail in post-match views. Um, NUC says been out of form for the last couple of games, so it was no surprise Hector was coming in for us. The interesting points for me was due to the injuries, we now were seeing James Dayton and Jamie Turley back in the squad who had been missing over the last few games, and I think a few of us thought that those two players might be leaving the club, but they were back in the squad for this one. So potentially they might have to stay now if Angle's injury is worse and Johnson's worse than what we realise. You know, could Dayton now be here until the end of the season? And the same potentially with Turner needed for cover. What are your views on that one, Paul? Yeah, no, similar to yours in a sense that I'm delighted that Hector's been given his chance. I think Us hasn't done well enough to be starting the last few games, in my opinion. Um, I may be you know, sharing a slightly different view to many out there. But for me, you know, Us has been a very, very big disappointment for me. I thought, you know, again, comparing what he saw, we saw of him from this time last year when he joined us from Gillingham on loan, you know, I haven't really seen much, uh, many performances like what he put in to win the contract with us. So, yeah, I think that was the right decision to drop Us. Maybe I, if it was me, I'd have probably dropped him a couple of games ago. Uh, balance back five, including Lawrence Vigarou. Good attacking options on the pitch, including Kemp, who I'm very pleased to see starting. Um, interesting bench, not really. I mean, unless Nick Freeman can fill that 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 role, it's not really very much sort of attacking. Really, you know, you look at Sweeney, Widdison, Turley. You know, they're all defensive. Um, they're all defensive players. So, you know, if we needed to change stuff up, I know you can bring Widdison on and move Brophy forward, and and it's kind of you get that from it. But, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing another striker on the bench, to be honest with you. But otherwise... I think a few people were asking about Louis Dennis. As we understand it, he was ill over the weekend. Yes, that's absolutely what we understand uh, is true. We had a lot of tweets that came in after this, though. Yeah, we did. PM31970. So, the good team. Finally, Hector gets his chance. Johnny Epper said, really like one winger going the outside, Kemp. And one cutting in, Wilco. Kipriano deserves his shot. Not sure Ruel is on form. Needs to play his way into it. Hope Coulson and Tunji work okay together. Ed Jones, 1976. Is the changes that everyone have been calling for. I hope Hector continues mm. to do well. Ruel needs a good game playing in his preferred position. And I think Clay will have a big role to play. Yeah, I think that's right. A lot of fans have been calling for these changes, haven't they? So it'd be interesting yeah. at that time. It, I was thinking it's interesting to see how it does turn out. Terence Coates too. Uh, he tweeted in and said, really like the look of this lineup. Eager to see how Kemp does and hope that Hector can do enough to cement his place ahead of Cissé. I can't believe I'm about to say this though. I would have liked to see Dennis on the bench as a replacement centre forward. Let's hope Ruel can last the 90. Fair point. That's an absolutely fair point there. Paul Red rubs. Why is our manager so stubborn with regards to Brophy at left back? Everyone knows he's better further forward. Shouldn't we be looking for a left back if he doesn't fancy Willowson there? I mean, that's a valid point. It comes up weekly um, on the podcast, as you'd expect. In theory, you know, Ross had options. And again, we'll probably end up talking about this more post-match. But last week, you know, we discussed should the formation be changed that Danny Johnson is injured? Could you play Connor in the middle? Should you be playing Brophy further up? It's almost like Ross has too too much to choose from, that he doesn't quite know his best eleven and where to play him at certain points. Or he does know where to play him, it's just not where we think he should play them. Mm. 
Yeah, there is obviously that gap there. Len Chin Chin One said, we're not able to field a strong side and I feel we have a weak team. Hard to imagine a win, although I would wish, I would wish for a winner. Yeah, I mean, when I saw that tweet, I thought, oh, well, I, thought, I disagreed with that when I saw the tweet, but Len Chin Chin, fair play to you because, you know, you might have had your mystic ball out. So, the match kicked off at cold University of Bolton Stadium with Yo's looking to bounce back from last week's defeat and get back in the playoff spots against the Bolton team who made six changes from their last match and were without a win in 2021. So just four minutes were played when Connor Wilkinson cut in from the left and fired a fierce shot of goal that unfortunately only made the side netting. Yeah, and four minutes later, real, real big chance. An amazing save by Lawrence Bigaru as a cross came in from our right. Nelson Delfonso standing unmarked from six yards out. No one near him. Open goal, pretty much. Vigru right in the middle of the goal, but he smacked his ball right in the middle. Vigru made an amazing save, uh, but really, it's unbelievable how he scored, really. Yeah, he should have scored. There should have been 1-0 in the eighth minute, and it's really poor defending from us. Great save from Lawrence Vigru, as you say, and he's really kept us in the game from the eighth minute. Yeah, I mean, when I watched the highlights back, Sam Ling, I didn't watch this live, so I've only seen it on the highlights, so I can't comment on players' performance over the 90 minutes. But in the highlights clips, I saw this chance. Sam Ling is in the centre-back position and there's no one in the right-back spot. So Tunji's bombing it to try and get over to the right and it just left this huge gap. And again, we're so lucky to have Vigoru in goal. Every week we're singing the guy's praises. Like I said, should have scored. He didn't. That was definitely an early warning sign. So let's get forward in mm. to the 28th minute. Another nervy moment. A cross came in from our left this time, pinged around the six-yard box. Sam Ling calmly headed the ball to Lawrence Vigaru. Yes, fair play to Sam Ling there. He did very, very well to cushion that nicely back to Lawrence Vigaru. That could have gone horribly, horribly wrong. Um, Bolton went close with Baptiste from a corner in the 42nd minute, but Tunji Akinola did enough to put him off in the follow-up corner. Lawrence Vigaru appeared to have caught the ball, but he dropped it, but Bolton fortunately couldn't capitalise. Yeah, Bolton kept applying the pressure. More pressure from them. As we were closer to half-time, they had players queuing up to take a shot, which came to nothing. And one minute of time was added on, played out as a ref brought the half to a close, with Bolton King to take a corner before he blew up. But the whistle went, it was goalless at half-time. Yeah, so for me, I watched it. Uh, not a particularly enjoyable half of football, Not certainly not one that I've um, particularly enjoyed watching. Luckily, Bolton are poor, they didn't take their chances. Uh, we've not created chances or even tested their goalkeeper. And I think you can tell that if you had didn't watch the stream, uh, forgetting about the scoreline because the goals came in the second half, that we've really not done enough, anywhere near enough in that in that first half to to do anything. We, we you know So from that point of view, a really poor first half for us. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't watching it live. I was following it. But like you said, like we haven't mentioned their keeper making... One save, nothing no. on target, and this is a team who we're above in the league, who are drastically out of form. We should be going there, absolutely taking the game to them. We shouldn't be talking about people. We should be talking about us smashing them. Yeah, we should be talking know, about their keeper. I know, I know I've made it sound very simple there, but disappointing to see. Yeah, like like we said, and we we made the same comments at halftime last week, where we just didn't test the Forest Green Rovers keeper enough, and we're saying the same thing a week later. 
so really disappointing. But we had a lot of views at mm. half time, which are always welcome. But we're seeing more views now coming at half time. So keep sending them in to us. Joe Jessner, 16, tweeted us that we are really struggling here. Midfield is lacking bite. And Wilco is the only forward threatening to do anything of note. Defence, a bit chaotic at times. Yeah, run and ref with GC said, not great, is it? I can't see how we're going to get a goal. We're struggling with basic passes and giving away possession. Brophy has been excellent. Would be good to hear why Wilkinson started on the left. I didn't. It didn't work, did it? Bad mistake by Ling. We got lucky. Yeah, thank you for your DM earlier in the week, running ref with GC, when you DM'd us about how difficult it is for referees. Obviously, we oh, yeah. came to the referee on last week's podcast. Um, so thank you for your DM there, kid. Samson O said, balance of the front three looks all wrong. Satiru getting easily bested by their huge centre-half. Wilkinson, clearly unhappy on the left, contending with Craig Clay's dodgy service. Yet to work out what their camp is offering. Less penetration than an eunuch orgy. Eunuch orgy, yeah. I don't don't know what that is. Uh, And I don't recommend you Google it either. Antique Mouse said, Our front three have spent most of their time with their backs to goal. We've put them under virtually no pressure and we're lucky it's still nil-nil. Good point. Paul Ravens and the market strike before Monday, then I seriously have to question what is going on. I'm not disputing the quality of the free signing so far, but it's so obvious we need competition cover for Johnson. Yeah, Gordie 83 said, without Johnson up front, we look toothless. And with our most creative player still stuck at left back, I can't see where the chance are going to come from. We have a good left back in Widdison, so why nullify one of our biggest threats for the opposition? By keeping him there. I think this debate still rumbles on and I think we're still both of the same opinion that we're not keen on the Brophy at left-back role, are we? Or I'm not, anyway. I don't know where you stand. Absolutely not. Not when you're playing Conor Wilkinson on the left as a left forward. Absolutely not. Again, I think we're going to talk about formations and lineups quite a lot post-match, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm completely with you there. Many others there, Mr Levy, and I am underscore M.O., so Totoyu isn't good enough and neither is Kiprianu. The defence is all over the place and poor Kemp is out of position on his debut. A horrible performance so far. So those were all tweets that came into Orient Outlook at half-time. You can tell most of them very unhappy at nil-nil. So let's go forward in and see how the second half went. Yeah, well, it didn't get any better at all. We got <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Orient got the second half underway. No changes, no substitutions were made at half-time by either side. And we're going to fast forward to the 53rd minute. We had our first shot on target following some good work by Connor Wilkinson as he fed Hector Kipriano, who struck the ball low and hard. But Matt Jilks made a comfortable save. Yeah, time for the first O-sub in the 59th minute. Joe Widdison replaced Dan Kemp, which saw James Briefy move forward up the pitch to left forward. Joe Widdison going to left back. I mean, Kemp's had an hour. A bit disappointed in young Kemp. I've got to say, I know it's a difficult game away, big stadium, physical Bolton team, but what did he do? Nah, I don't know that he did that much and I don't know that a lot went through him. I think it was all trying to go through Connor, to be honest with you. So I think Connor. it's I think yeah. it's one of them where it's, that's not Dan Kemp's fault. Um, and I think I think as a promising guy, I mean, he touched the ball a few times, but nothing really of note. Otherwise, we'd have mentioned it. But yeah, I don't think I don't think Dan Kemp's at, at, at fault in this. I don't think he's had a bad performance. I think he's just been a little bit anonymous. Uh, but give him time. I, I think obviously he's come off on the hour mark because obviously match fitness isn't there for him uh, quite yet. So he's being managed. So 
We'll see. But we're going to move to the 64th minute now. Some great footwork from Connor Wilkinson, who nutmegged his man and was brought down uh, as a result of that. From the resulting free kick, James Brophy delivered and Ruel Satoru headed the ball wide. So I'm like actually seeing this chance back, but this strikes me as being our best chance. I would say, I mean, you yeah. watched it live. Well, should he have done better there? Should, should he have scored? Or I, was it chance? I think it... I, I don't exactly remember it, but uh, the vague recollection that I have, I mean, I think it went well over. I think as a striker... When you're in that position, you really need to work the keeper. Um, but again, I can't exactly remember it from the multitude of stuff I've read. Um, it's just, yeah, fried my brain a bit. So, yeah, don't can't, can't recall it. Don't quite you on that one. So yeah. 66 minutes gone and two minutes later, Bolton took the lead. There's a simple, simple move, really. Cross came in um, from the left. James Brophy uh, at the far post, under pressure, Turn the ball into his own net to put Bolton one 0 up. Yeah, poor from us. Did nothing to prevent the cross coming in from our right. Um, did nothing to cut it out as it flashed across the face of our goal and literally across the goal mouth. And I don't really understand why that 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 that's happened. Um, I don't understand how the ball can travel so far. How we're not doing better. Uh, from that, to be honest with you, I think I think it's quite poor. Um, I, I, I was pretty upset at the time. I was pretty annoyed by that. Um, not a good goal to concede. I, I, I don't want to start using expletives in in, in a family show, but um, yeah, I, I was bitterly disappointed that we conceded a, a, a poor goal. And there are a number of players who were at fault for that. Yeah, I agree. When you say a number of players, um, from you know, from losing the ball and appealing for a free kick, which we don't get, you know, we don't really kind of get our shape back. The cross comes in far too easily, goes straight across goal, and then Brophy puts it under, under pressure. But yeah, really disappointing goal to concede there. Um, and there you go. I'll never slate a player for scoring an own goal after my own goal at Brisbane Road that I'll always be reminded of when a player scores an own goal. So you got we found history ourselves one nil down. Point. Yeah. And then two minutes later, mate, it was 2 0. Yeah. Bolton doubled their lead through. Had to be Ian Doyle, didn't it? I knew Doyle was going to score in this game. Yeah. A move, again, really disappointing goal to, to concede. And a move that started on our right, um, as Josh Colson was pretty much left for dust um, as the Bolton winger got past him. Ball comes to Ian Doyle inside our area, comfortably gets a shot away. No one really near Sam. Ling is trying to get him slips, but Doyle's got plenty of time and space, and a player like that is going to punish you. We know what Doyle can do. Curled the ball past Frigaru, and from starting the better team in the second half and being 0 0 on 63 minutes, 66 minutes now, and we're 2 0 down, mountain to climb. Absolutely. So, 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 so poor from us. Another catalogue of errors from us. Uh, again, and I'm not a tactician, and I don't really understand what Josh Coulson was doing so far out of position, you know, would Dan Happy have been there? I don't know. But unfortunately, he isn't blessed with pace um, and he didn't get back. Um, Ling was the closest player to Doyle and he slipped at a crucial moment. He, he wasn't close enough. Um, and again, that was a preventable goal. Why do we allow Ian Doyle, who can be prolific, why do we allow him the freedom of the edge of our box? Why aren't we closer? Why are we set, sitting there ball watching? Uh, again, 
I caveat that with the fact that, you know, I haven't read a tactical book or anything. But for me, you know, we're sitting so deep again and we're then allowing players like Ian Doyle the, the time and space to take that shot. Again, two two yeah, goals I mean, that have come in from out from the arguably from although that came the cross came in from the left, it's come out to the right hand side. And I don't want to dig Sam Ling out, but he's the closest guy there. Maybe Tunji could have got across a little bit to cover as well. But again, there are more players here um, that could have could have would have should have done better in my opinion. It's just the team team errors, a catalogue of errors, and I think everybody should be very very embarrassed by that goal. Yeah, it's important. Like, it is a catalogue of errors, really. From losing the ball, uh, like you said, Corsa's not best with pace, but then you would think that someone in the midfield would know that. As soon as the Love guy that. starts pulling yeah. away from Corson, someone would be helping out Corson, which they don't. And in you know, Sam Ling's comedy slip, because he's trying to get <laughs> get to Doyle, no, the less we say about that, the better. And mm. just a terrible goal to concede. But at that point, you're thinking, well, it's 2-0 now. Like, we ain't going to get anything out of the game. And... <clears throat> Just, just very, very, very disappointing. So let's move forward then. Let's go to the 75th minute as it was the second Orient sub as Nick Freeman came on and he replaced Hector Kipriani. Yeah, in the 77th minute, Ian Doyle had another opportunity to kill the game as he had a shot inside our box that fortunately went over the bar. And again, for me, that was more poor defending. Coulson moved away to give him that space, I saw. So... Yeah, it, it, for me, I was sitting there biting my nails thinking it's just going to get worse. It's going to be three or four. Yeah, I mean, I've not seen that chance back, but, you know, God knows why they're moving off Doyle. If anything, they should be getting on his back, though. No? Correct. Um, Correct. 79th minute, James Dayton came on and replaced Craig Clay in the third substitution for the O's. Yeah, good work from James Brophy in the 82nd minute. He set up Joby McEnough, whose shot was deflected. Over the bar, Matt Gilks caught the resulting corner. He released Ebruzede, who ran half the pitch and had his shot deflected off Joe Widdison for a corner. So from a Bolton perspective, a superb counter-attack. That was literally just a long throw out from the goalkeeper and their player running most of the pitch and getting his shot away. I mean, we didn't do that once. And a team that hasn't won this year are doing that against us. How's that happening? Why is that happening? Good point. I was just about to make that point. So this team, this is a team bang out of form. They've not won in 20 to 21. They've not won in seven games. And yet, you know, their counter-attacks are making them look like... Brazil. We're making them look like Barcelona. Like, we, you know, it's almost like we put an advert out to all the other league clubs. We send an email around on a Friday saying, guys, don't worry about your form. We'll help you out. Don't worry about well, it. Yeah. You've not won this year. You've not won in five. They came to Brisbane Road, yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry, you're playing Orient, we'll help you out. <laughs> so let's move on to the conclusion of the game. A superb reverse pass from James Brophy put Joe Widdowson through into a great position. His cross came out to Connor, who blazed over the bar. I mean, it's a tight angle, but Connor should be doing much better. And at that point, you just want the full-time whistle to go right and put us out of our misery. Yeah, I mean, that was a great chance. He really should have hit that low and hard rather than high and high and higher yeah. and even higher. I think that went into the second tier of the Bolton stand. Uh, that's behind that goal there. So, yeah, I mean, all right, it would have been a consolation goal, nothing more. I can't exactly see us going on to have you know, won that game based on the fact that that was one of only two or three chances we had in the in the whole game. Um, Ebu Zede missed a great opportunity to extend Bolton's lead in the 89th minute as another corner, uh, another, sorry, cross across our goal was missed by Sam Ling and Ebu Zede fired over. 
Yeah, five minutes of time were added on. And in the third minute now, Nathan Delfonso had a great chance. He blazed his shot over the bar from a few yards out. I mean, this guy's had two really easy chances, not taking them, yeah. uh, thankfully for us. And shortly after that, the referee brought the game to a close as the O's suffered their second defeat on the bounce, with Bolton winning for the first time in seven games and for the first time in 2021. Ross Embleton, um, his full post-match interview is available on the club's YouTube account, but a couple of excerpts from that said, not very good. What frustrates me and us is that I'm finding our form really suggests it, uh, that our wins and our losses reflect the fact that I feel we are very good and very comfortable to win games. Right, I think I got myself in a bit of a muddle there. Let me start that again. Not very good. What frustrates me and us is that I'm finding our form really suggestive that our wins and our losses reflect the fact that I feel we're very good and very comfortable to win games. When we're below par, we don't do enough to go and get something out the game. Yeah, he went on to say, we knew it was going to be tough conditions here. We knew that, albeit that Bolton have had a tough start to the season, that they've got very good players and you have to respect your position and players that you come up against. So that was a, two quotes there from Ross. As Paul said, the full interview is on the club's YouTube channel. And thanks to Dave for sending over the interview, as always. So the league table then... That meant our loss sees us still in 10th, so not terrible, having now played 25 games with 1-11, drawn three and lost 11. 36 points and a goal difference of five. So, Mr Levy, what are your views in on the Bolton game? Haven't watched the full 90 minutes, may I add? Yeah, it wasn't a game that I felt was, was very good at all. I think we got a lot wrong yesterday. I don't think the players acquitted themselves particularly well. And like I think we've alluded to earlier, I think... I think Ross got the setup wrong today. I was pleased by the team announcement, um, but don't really understand how it's gone so so horribly wrong. Bolton didn't offer much, and they scored two goals, kept a clean sheet. It baffles me. It really, really baffles me, and it's a tenor I wish I'd never spent. To be quite honest with you, um, all the players were poor today, really, apart from Vigaru. Really, for me, maybe James Brophy, you could maybe put into that as well. But um, Lynn, Coulson, Clay in particular were poor. Um, so up for seeing Dan Kemp and Hector starting, but I don't really think that they had the impact in the game that they would have liked uh, to have done. But it's so frustrating, you know. This league is such a such a poor league compared to what it was last year. You know, we're not coming up against sides that are really smashing it at the moment. All right. You mentioned um, about Tranmere earlier, who are on a good run of form at the moment. Mansfield are doing well. They've won their last five games. Um, and Cambridge seem to be doing well at the moment. But there's no real tear-away, run-away leader at the moment. Um, so <clears throat> the fact that we've then gone to a team who haven't won in several games and, and we just roll over and give them, give them a really easy ride. We've not tested their goalkeeper enough. We've not created enough. We've looked poor defensively. We've sat too deep. We've allowed the pressure on us. Um, so it's really, really frustrating. We can't rely on uh, Danny Johnson for goals. Others have to step up. Ruel, you know, didn't really get great service. Uh, Connor Wilkinson's um, missed, uh, blazed over from only a few yards out. Um, and a bit of a concern that we've now lost two back-to-back -back games. It's not really form that you want to be taking into playoffs or into you know, a, a situation where you're trying to push for automatics, if that's what we're trying to do. And it says a lot about the game when your goalkeeper is your best player. Um, 
So that all said, super frustrating, really annoying. Um, but as I say, it was just a really bad day for everybody yesterday. We are still 10th in the league, though. We haven't moved from that. Um, it's not great. There's no standouts, as I've said before. Uh, we've got two games coming up this week, to put it right. Um, you know, we're 10th on 36 point. We're joint with Exeter, who've got a game in hand over us. And New Point are ahead of us. Uh, in seventh on 40 points. So it's only, uh, and although they've got a game in hand over us, so, you know, it's still an easy distance for us to travel. Um, and it's important, I think, as well. I was thinking about this, this kind of like the morning after the day before, if you like. Um, it's important not to get overexcited when we win and also not too angry or down when we lose. I remember Justin saying that in one of his post-matches that he doesn't, I think Ross has said it as well, that he don't get over-happy when we win and don't get overly bitter or annoyed when, when we lose. And I think that's probably the way that I'm, I'm going to take all of this season uh, as well. So without me waffling on too much more, what are your views on that, Steve? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I thought, you know, I didn't watch the 90 minutes, so I can't speak from somebody who watched the game as a 90 minutes. But from what we've gone through and from watching the highlights, it seems to be very poor all round, which is really disappointing, you know, Bolton, it shouldn't take much to motivate the players to play at Bolton, clearly a, a big, big premiership stadium, biggest team in League 2, the players should be pumped, and we should be going there full of confidence and ready in Ross's game plan, but i got to confess, when I watched, when I watched Ross's pre-match interview on the club's channel, didn't fill me with confidence really. He kind of picked up Bolton too much. And I'm like, can we not pick up our own players and talk about the form that we've got here and what we're going to do when we're aiming to go there? So I was a bit disappointed with the approach. I was really disappointed to see Connor Wilkinson play on the left. For me, Connor has been... There's three standouts for me this season in an Orient shirt. You've got Danny Johnson, who will take the plaudits all day long, which he deserves. Lawrence Vigaroo, who's been amazing. And... Connor Wilkinson, who's been a sensation for me on the right-hand side. So when I saw or found that he was playing on the left, I couldn't quite work out why he was doing that. It was obviously part of a game plan, and I feel that Ross and the coaching staff always allude to the game plan in their post-match interviews, and they never say what the game plan is. Now, that's obviously on purpose, because they don't want to give away what the game plan was, and maybe it's evidence of other football supporters watching it, but I... I never know what the game plan is. Like, it's obviously possession football, but how... What is the plan from an attacking perspective? I, don't, I just don't know. And I was really disappointed to see Connor on the left. And albeit, when Brophy comes on, Connor obviously goes back on the right-hand side. But I just thought, we should work to our strength. So I've got no idea why Connor went on the left. You know, last week we spoke about the different options. So Danny Johnson is a very good centre-forward but I think Royal Satoyu isn't a centre-forward. He's a striker. They're two very different players. And Royal Satoyu isn't going to do the work of a Danny Johnson who fits in so well in that 4-3-3. So is it time for a formation change? Do you need to play Connor and Royal up in a 4-4-2 together? Mm. Do you need to move Connor into the middle? Does Brofa need to move further forward? We need to be testing opposition goalkeepers a lot more than what we're doing based on the last two games. And I don't want to overreact because, you know, two weeks ago we are sitting here praising the team's performance. But the last two games have been really concerning since Danny Johnson hasn't been on the pinch, on the pitch. Kemp and Freeman have come in, two players who we're both excited about, 
maybe it's unfair to Kemp at such a young age to expect wonders from him, but he's not done much in the last two games so far. Probably needs match fitness. Nick Freeman hasn't done anything in the two games he's featured in, albeit he's only played 20 minutes against Forest Green Rovers and 15 minutes yesterday, but... I'm very. I, I want to see more from them too. Maybe they need to build up their fitness, but you know, they need to be on the pitch to build up their match fitness. So do they need to be playing? Mackenough seems very tired, very unaffected in the last two weeks. Does he need a rest? It's disappointing, and it's getting it's getting frustrating. It's the same patterns, and Ross alluded to the same patterns in his post match interview, where he said, you know, there's been games over the last couple of months where we've conceded two quick goals away from home and kind of lost the game away to Morecambe he said away to Cambridge yesterday so that's something that needs to be doing and it's difficult here because the fan base seem to be splitting with a Ross in and a Ross out mentality and people calling each other out and it's not nice to see but Again, we need to do that League 2 stuff. Again, that Ross said in his post-match interview, we need to do the League 2 stuff much better. We need to be a bit dirtier. We need to fight a bit more. We need to be a bit more savvy in, in this league. Um, we just need to be better than what we are. We've got better players now. I believe we've got better players at the club than what we had this time last year. So I'm not really having the team at all National League players. You've got Vigaru, right? You've got Cissé who's come in and... He's better than National League, if I'm honest. Danny Johnson, obviously not fit, but better than National League. Kemp's better than National League. Freeman's better than National League. Wilkinson's better than National League. McInnes better than National League. Happy's better than National League. There's only about two or three players you look at, probably, and go, they're National League level. So are we underachieving now as a club because they're not being coached right? Mm-hmm. Are we underachieving now as a club because tactically it's not right? Or are we tactically unachieving because the motivation's not there for the players? I don't know. These are questions that I, I'm now asking as a fan because I don't think the players were as poor as what, as what people think they are. Because so they, so then the tactics are wrong. Don't get me wrong, mm. but the majority of that team yesterday, like we say, Paul, when that team's announced, we're quite happy with it. Yeah. You know, and Samling is criticised a lot and he'll be criticised in the upcoming tweets. Coulson's criticised by the upcoming tweets. Dayton's criticised a lot but Dayton only played for 10 minutes. Yeah, I didn't get that why he was being called out to be honest. But but apart apart from that in the starting lineup, who's National League quality? You tell me. Because Vigaru isn't. Tunji's not going to go National League when when he leaves West Ham. James Brophy isn't National League. Mm. Joby McAnuff isn't National League. Hector's not. Craig Clay's not, Wilkinson's not, Sotiriu, the jury's out, but like I said, Sotiriu's a different kind of striker, and I don't think the 4 3 3 suits him based on what we've seen so far. And Dan Kemp is in National League, so the players aren't that bad. Certainly should have given Bolton a much better game than what we gave them. So, yeah, sorry for the um, massive. Uh, no, no. But the thing is, though, you make a lot of good points because at the end of the day, we don't see what goes on at the training ground. We don't see how good the players train, how hard they work. We don't get to see what nice guys they are, what you know, what what good people that they are off the pitch. We only can judge them based on the ninety minutes a week that we see them. So it's always one of those that you know, you turn up, you do what you've been training to do all week, and you end up rolling over to a rubbish team. And let's be honest, Bolton were rubbish. You know, there was some Bolton fan on on social media calling us a small club. But, you know, at the end of the day, 
they're a League Two side. They have a League Two manager with a lot of League Two and a few League One players in it. Uh, and maybe then themselves are carrying a bit of Deadwood. That Delfinesso, you know, he's played at a higher level. Um, how is he not scoring those goals? You know, it's that lack of confidence. So how is it that we, who have only lost, had lost one in four or five in the last few games that we played before yesterday, how is it now that we're going over to a team like Bolton and we're not even dirtying the top of the opposition's goalkeeping top? How are we not even taking shots at this guy? How is it that for two games we haven't tested a goalkeeper? How is it that these players are... Are, don't seem to be up for it. They travelled up the day before, so there's no there's no fatigue from travel. And I think you're absolutely right. The questions do need to be answered because at the end of the day, it's not going to get better until until it's addressed and dealt with. Now, whether it's a system formation setup tactic issue or not, I, we don't know because we don't see what goes on in the changing rooms and what goes on at the training ground. So it is a difficult question to, to to answer, and you know why aren't the players turning up looking? Why aren't the players looking like they're motivated? What's going on? Is you know people been told, you know that they're already that their contracts aren't being renewed, so they're not being that bothered about it? Are we not telling players whether they're being renewed or not? Is that a conversation that should have done taken place? Have they got the hump? something going on at home for some of the players or what? I, I just don't understand. And, I, and I, I'm with you. I, I don't get it. Why aren't we doing better with these better standard of players that you mentioned? You're right. Most of them are, 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 are League 2, maybe League 1 quality. There's only a sprinkling now that are National League quality. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and start digging digging individual players out about it. But, you know, the, the players that you mentioned are, are good quality players. We've had a lot of that turnover now so baffled absolutely baffled as to why we're not we're not more consistent and therefore why we're not doing better yeah same here same here so those were our views slightly longer than normal but I feel like we've got some quite good points across we had tons of views come in to us at Orient Outlook on social media thank you to everyone who sent us tweets we're going to read out as many as what we can and just because this is the very important part of this week's podcast just because we read them does not mean we agree with them so Boatsy started it off full time so when Boatsy got himself in there said no creativity poor defending simply not good enough Bolton haven't had to work hard for the win our away record is going to cost us any chance of getting into the playoffs we need to find a proven goal scorer as we really miss DJ's goals yeah and I think the stat worth thinking about there is that we have um, out of 25 games we've won 11 lost 11 and only drawn 3 so we either really win or lose a game there's, there's never any of that middle ground um, so you know we're dropping points where you know, potentially we've had losses that should have been that that could have potentially have been draws. It would have pushed us up a little bit higher up the table. Obviously, uh, Paul Gregory said a poor performance, a very poor performance. Only Brophy comes out with credit. Wilkinson, a luxury we can't afford. Showboating at every touch and building for next season is all that's left. I'm afraid. Big ad. LOFC kept it short. He kept it sweet. Just said four four two. Nothing else to say. Freddie, LOFC. I mean- I mean, I do think I do think there's a case now for four four two. I really do. I really do. I think Satori, you you get a better you get a better performance from Satori in a four four two, and I think Connor can 
play neat football into feet and I think you can also use him as a big lump if you need to if you need to punt the ball up I think Connor can do that well he done that for David and Redbridge which is where we bought him from so I think it can be done whether Ross will want to do that whether he thinks he's got the players to do that now I don't know but so what's, it's definitely an option. Who's your four four two then? Who's your like so front two Ruel and Wilkinson as it stands at the moment? Who's your midfield four? Um, Bro- Brophy on, on the left. It, it, it depends on fitness. Brophy obviously left midfielder. Um, Centre middle, midfielders. I don't, I don't know if Freeman's fit. I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to see Freeman have a go with Clay or Joby. I guess it would be Freeman and Clay with Kemp on the right. But again, I'm playing guessing games because I don't know if Kemp can play on the right of midfield. And obviously, JMD's gone. Dayton, I've not seen at all this season. So I'm guessing Dayton isn't match fit or fit for 90 minutes. So I've got no idea. Louis Dennis, if he gets over his illness, potentially. I've got no, I've got, I've got no answers. So I'm, an, I'm the annoying fan who wants to change but can't give it what he actually wants. Mm. But see, see, I'd be up for 4-4-2. There. There's options there. I'd be up for four four two. I think you're right. Clay and Joby in the middle with Nick at this as it stands right now, with Nick Freeman to come on and, and potentially give Joby that rest, or if we're playing Saturday, Tuesday, then maybe Freeman does start with Craig Clay. And I think you're right, James Dayton and James Brophy on the right and the left, because naturally I think they are more attuned to a four four two and that's where you get the best out of James Dayton. And I think you're right, you play Connor Wilkinson and Ruel up top as it stands at the moment. You have Joe Woodison at left back. You'd obviously have Dan Happy when he's not suspended um, at, uh, at left centre back. But at the moment, that, that's going to be Josh Coulson and, and Tunji. Um, and right back, for me, I'd probably, I'd probably give Jamie Turley that, that, uh, that right back spot and give him the opportunity to impress, uh, to be honest with you. Because for me, I don't think Sam's impressed me enough. But then when Dan Happy comes back, I would replace Josh Coulson with... Uh, with him and obviously Lawrence Vigaru is the first name on the team sheet every week well don't forget you've got Adam Thompson who will be available for Tuesday whether he's fit that's also true question, whether he's ready but I don't think I think Ross will keep it 4-3-3 for Tuesday I don't think he'll oh, right, be considering yeah. 4-4-2 absolutely absolutely but, but we'll see but there are options there like again like we said last week but you know whether they're used or not remains to be seen yeah, Freddie LOFC said should have lost about four or five in the end. Bolton deserved to win, but I'm not even convinced they're that good. Embleton's negative tactics cost us. It does seem like, you know, once we were 2 0 down, that all we were talking about was chances for Bolton. Or like you said, before Gibson scores, who knows what would have happened. Steve Forecast said, you've said it a few times before, but when Cissé plays well, we play well, he is undervalued. I mean, I was happy to see Cissé dropped. Yes. Because not being good. But then I did see, and that happy birthday to Matt Turk, who made the point, I think he made it on social media, saying this wasn't the game to drop Cissé in. Because Bolton are a more physical team. We were away from home. Cissé is a bit more physical in his approach than Hector is. And does the, kind of does the ugly stuff. Can, well, I, just interrupt, can so, I just interrupt you there? I don't agree with that at all. Cissé uh, used to be a physical guy. Now he's too busy standing there watching the ball being passed away <laughs> to get close. No, I, I'm not joking. To get close enough to the man. That's why Cissé needed to be dropped. He, he has that physical aspect to his game. But we haven't seen it enough this season for me. And yeah. last year, this time last year, that's what we were seeing from Usise. That's how we know he's got it in his game. But this year, barely see his jersey getting getting dirty these days. You know, I don't think he puts himself about anywhere near enough for a player that's in the position that he's in. Good point. Yes, it's, well, it's, it's hard to it's hard to argue. 
It's hard to argue. I find that. arguing Goodbye. really easy. Um, anyway, <laughs> Bogs Dollocks one said missing Danny Johnson, but he needs chances to score. And in the last two games, we've created nothing, absolutely nothing. Very poor indeed. Yeah, the occasional ones. And I'm fed up with all of this. Ross is an experience and still learning. Fact is, he isn't learning. It's the same mistakes week in, week out. SR Barber, nineteen eighty six, said we've played two teams out of form. Gave them far too much respect. Today was hard to watch. Played too deep, no threat up top, and lack and lack of marking. We need a decent backup striker ASAP. And sorry, but Coulson is not up to it anymore. Hector should stay in the team though. Alan Reeves too. So let's be honest, 2-0 flattered on him. Bolton missed a hatful of chances and could have been embarrassing. When plan B is to stick Coulson up top, you know you aren't good enough. Now, there are a lot of tweets. And you, if you listen to the podcast, you would have heard and been said over the last couple of weeks. There is no plan B at Leighton Orient. Comes up an awful lot. A lot of fans, well, there's a few fans who tweet us regularly, say we need a big target man up front to give you something different. I still think Connor Wilkinson can play that role as the big target man, mm. should we need it. But it doesn't seem to be much change. Although, you know, I've seen Ross go into a 4-4-2 diamond when we're behind from the 4-3-3. I've seen different, I have seen different systems, but nothing really that's effective or a different style of football, if you see what I mean. Mm. Kevlar P18 said, did we even leave London? Shocking all round. Bolton should have had at least five and I can't believe Ross Embleton tries to experiment when we're 2-0 down. I've held my tongue for weeks now, but I think it's time for an experienced manager to come in. Sunshine LOFC was not happily. He said, defensively, that was an awful display and it wasn't much better going forwards. It's all too disjointed. The fullback situation needs addressing and in particular, it's puzzling how Link still gets the game. Or is it... Next up, Crawley, where LOFC will 100% lose. Uh, Flaherty MGT said, really confusing tactically. Bizarre to have a front three where only one can head a ball and to then jump, uh, pump long balls into them as our only option. Really concerning. I like Ross, but he needs to get more from these players. Massive underperformance in the last two games. And I think that last sentence for me is is pretty good. He needs to get more from these players. And we have That's been a great, great, yeah. way, great way to end the tweet. Like it. Uh, Dan Alton, 2590. Waste of time. Result looked inevitable from early on. Nothing going forward. Defensively all over the place. No response after going behind again. Looking a lot like the Morecambe, Scunthorpe and Cambridge away games again. Can't wait until most of these players leave. Dan, I'd be quite interested to see Dan, because I know how you listen. When you say, I can't wait to see these players leave, who are you talking about who we haven't already mentioned? Because most players who I think people want to leave weren't actually on the pitch. But I could be wrong. So Dan, let us know about that one. Orion underscore Ed said, once again, got what we deserved. And quite frankly, everyone was useless and very annoyed. Uh, we didn't even test their goalkeeper again. In my opinion, Kemp and Thompson signing are the start of a complete summer overhaul of this team. Yeah, good point about testing the goalkeeper. If we yeah. lose 2 0, right, and their keeper's had the game of his life, yeah, pull out. Fair enough. The world is in. Fair enough. But I don't, I don't actually remember their keeper making a save. So, Terry's headed the ball wide. Wilkinson's shafted one over the bar. I don't. I can't recall. Couple. Apart from Hector's shot early in the second half, their keepers had pretty much nothing to do. Easiest game in this season. Yeah, yeah. Paul Skinner. After we beat them four 0 at our place, remember? Yeah. Paul Skinner. Eighty-eight. If we don't get a striker, the season is finished. I'm sick of four-three-three. It doesn't work with the players we've got available. The midfield goes missing every game. 
and the strikers don't get the service. Techno's Trousers Techno said simply the worst performance I've seen this season. No threat, limited creativity, massive gaps in defence. It should have been four or more. Only Vigarou comes out with any credit. Same old, same old. Too slow, not enough pace or movement. Bolton were poor, but we were much worse. Oli underscore Sonnefeld said the past few weeks have exposed Ross. I'm afraid he's a lovely guy and I really want him to do well, but his incapability and unwillingness to adapt is so frustrating. Orient Electric said, where do you start with that performance? Doesn't look like the Satori- doesn't look like Satoru can play up top on his own. McEnough needs a rest. Clay looks a shadow of the player he was, and as much as I love Super Joshi Corson, that should be enough from him in a starting eleven. Dean under seven underscore seven Cox tweeted us. Do you Not know? a great performance. Do you know from certain players, we go four four two and out of possession, wingers tucked in, making it hard to break down with the injuries at the moment. When in possession, getting the ball wide and getting crosses in for the forward boys with the centre midfield backing up the play. But also, DJ is a massive miss for Ross. Needing back ASAP. I gotta confess, I do love it when X plays tweet us, but I do love it when Dean Cox tweets us even more. <laughs> Absolutely. Good to have you with us still, <laughs> Dean. Les LK fifty two tweeted and he said, Just not good enough, and I can't recall a shot on target. Forward line looks lacking physicality, no plan B when we are behind. And I know I'm like a broken record, but we need a target man who can be a presence like Matt Harold, alluding to what you said, Steve. It's just too easy for defenders to play against us. Yeah, Les has said that for a couple of weeks now, Les, as well as a few others saying, you know, we haven't got that strong, bustling attacker who can come and bully a you know, defence and make their life difficult. No, but you know um, what, though? In a couple of weeks, when, uh, if it, uh, I say couple of weeks, I mean that quite as a random um, number that's just come to my head, but, you know, Danny Johnson comes back, Leanne Gold comes back, you know, all of a sudden we've then got them two, Ruel, Connor, you know, then we've got four strikers ready to go again yeah. you know and, and then Ross will have that com- uh, competitive question mark obviously Danny Johnson kind of almost literally writes himself back into the game because no one's really taken the opportunity to make that shirt theirs so Danny Johnson will pretty much probably just walk straight back into the squad unless someone hits a rich vein of form in the next couple of games you'd imagine so you'd imagine so I still think Connor can do that job if needed, but then it's who would you play on the right, on the other side of him? Because obviously Connor's done so, so well on that right-hand mm. side. Mm. Dan underscore Coleman, 98. So all good having all the possession, but need to do something with it. Need DJ back ASAP as a two-year. It's simply a waste of space. The fact we are still only four points from the playoffs shows how poor the league is. At the start of the season, though, I would have taken 10th place. I mean, so two is getting a lot of... Um, a lot of criticism mm. after this match. But again, he's, I don't. I think I made the point last week by saying by the time he actually broke into our team, he'd been playing for Dover week in, week out. So he was ready. I don't think he's ready. I don't think he's. Re- he's not a Danny Johnson, so he's got very big shoes to fill. Um, and generally, he's just been very disappointing this season as a whole. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think he's right about the, you know, would have taken 10th place at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, you know, we have improved since last year. I think some people think that we should be in the top three all season as Leighton Orient. You know, obviously that doesn't happen. If you want that, then you need to go and support a glory hunting team. But you know, we've already it's always up ups and downs and, and, and rounds and rounds and whatnot. So yeah, I would have taken tenth place if someone said that to me at the start of the season. 
Um, and as he says, you know, we are still, as I said earlier as well, we are still four points off the playoffs. Still a long way to go, though. Matty, LOFC, Evan said, disappointing to lose a game. Uh, questions need to be asked of Ross now. We sign quality players like Freeman to push us on to the playoffs and then we lose games we should be winning. If Nigel and Kent are serious about the playoffs this year, they have lots to think about. John Matabos, being a Ross fan, no mistakes have been made. At the end of the playoffs, we have a chance to kick on, but with one win and six defeats in the last seven away games, and with that performance, one weak shot on target against a very poor Bolton side who should have won by more, makes me wonder if he is the right man. I think the away record is pretty damning at yeah. the moment, whereas the yeah. home record really good, and we've seen that historically from Orion. You know that hasn't that hasn't been um, any well apart from winning the league. We've been very strong at home and not so good away over many seasons previously. But I don't know because the league is so poor this season. It feels like a massive opportunity is being missed and wasted. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And the fact that we've got our next few games, uh, well, one at home, one, two, three. For out of our next four games, that you know they're all they're all away except for um, Colchester, you know. Um, so yeah, it's going to be very very difficult, um, and it's not that easy a league uh, as has been pointed out. Um, George Nicholas underscore one said is expecting too much from the current squad is only going to disappoint. I've always felt we're a top half team, but no, not more than that. If we had a better squad and lost. You can say we flopped, but I, for one, am not surprised by recent results. I'm upset we lost, but not surprised. Stonemaster said, we seem to have lost our way over the last two performances. We offered so little going forward. I'm still struggling to understand why Wilkinson started on the left. We weren't at it today or last week, winning very few second balls and rarely took the game to Bolton. Disappointed. Yeah, Wilco300 said, thought we were starting to get on top around the 60-minute mark, only to be two down by the 70th. We do look like a team who don't believe we can score without Johnson. Need Ruel to get a goal from somewhere as his confidence looks shot along with the team's confidence in him. And I think with Ruel, I, I, he didn't get the service, you know, that one chance, but really didn't get the sort of service that, that you need to be getting to your strikers. You just want to go in from, don't you? It doesn't matter how it goes in, whether Absolutely. it's his backside or his face yeah, or go his off head, his nose. get in the net. Yeah. Get in the net. Orient Sweepda was quite critical. He said, terrible. The seeds were sown in Friday's interview. Three terrible performances since Ross has come out of isolation. We played a poor team with no confidence, but could have lost by five or six. Clueless doesn't come close to the in-game management. Totally devoid of any type of plan. MS Orient said, rudderless, toothless and tactically inept. Utterly disgusting by all involved versus a Bolton team that has won a few games this season. From the first minute to the 96th, we were absolute garbage. Zero positives. Manager must take the blame. The buck stops with him. Five steps forward, 25 steps back. Our left back benched and our best attacking winger playing in his position. I'm sorry, it shows you now that we need experience to lead the club in the right direction. I'm absolutely seething, seething with this approach from Ross. Mark, not a happy man there. No. Parksy, 1881, sent this in and he said, this is a copy and paste tweet. Rubbish. Do you remember when Dayton was a winger? Do you remember a time when 4-4-2 was a thing? Do you long for the days of a big centre-forward battling with lumps like Santos and Baptiste? Well, I do. We'll go and beat Crawley on Tuesday now. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Orient Meat Pie said, far too many performances like today this season. Walsall, Scunthorpe, Forest Green at home, Morecambe away, Colchester, etc. We're sleepwalking through games and doing nothing. We have nothing, we, we have nothing without 
Danny Johnson up front. Defence looked horrible again. I mean, that's some good points. He's mentioned some horrible games there. Walsall, Scunthorpe, Forest Green, Morecambe, Colchester United. Six games where, had we been slightly better, we would have got points from. Six games, 18 points, and we're four points off the playoffs. Just goes to show you where we could be. Stephen Orient says, just seeing the post-match interview, and Ross does not give me confidence that he knows what to do. We will not get promoted with him as manager. Does not seem to have the confidence required. That shows in the team setup. He will resign at the end of the season when we finish mid-table. And the penultimate... I, I don't think yeah. that will happen, but you, you never know. Football, you never you? know. But absolutely, about the points I made earlier about the fact that we've won 11, lost 11 and only drawn three. If you turn some of those losses into draws, all of us... And there's six there that you've pulled out uh, from, from um, Andy there, from Orient Meat Pie. You know, that's six points and then we're comfortably... In the yeah. um, in in the playoff zone, so I'm not to sound too American about that, but actually we'd probably be <laughs> playoff zone. Playoff zone, good job. Uh, we'd probably well, we'd be fourth actually, joint joint second overall, but on goal difference we'd be fourth. So massive, massive consequences for 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 the losses that we've chalked up. Oliver Melman said, so frustrating how inconsistent we are. A couple of weeks ago, we were looking up the table at the, at the automatic promotion places, and now we're sitting four points off the playoffs. We created nothing at all today, and the last two games have shown how much we've missed DJ. Good point. You know what happened now next week? We'll win our two games, and we'll both be talking about going up automatically. Imagine. We're like a pair of absolute mugs next week. So <laughs> this goes to the final word, which came from Ben Whitlock, 13. So it's a lovely tweet. So chaps, I have had plenty of London clubs to choose from if I wanted to be a glory hunter, but I love Orient for being Orient. I love Orient when we smash Bolton 4-0, and I love Orient when we lose to Bolton 2-0. I don't expect us to win every game, but I do want to see the effort. We love a YTS player and don't scream at them when they give the ball away. We want them to do well. Same with Ross. He's a young emerging talent who's learning or making mistakes, but so do experienced managers who aren't invested in the club. Great we point. love Orient for being Orient. What Super a great tweet, tweet. finish this week on. So those were all the tweets that came into us at Orient's Outlook. Let us know if you agree. Or if you disagree with any of the tweets we've read out, give us a tweet at Orient Outlook or give us an email. We appreciate that sometimes you can't fit what you want to say into 160 characters or 180 characters. If that is the case, give us an email at orientoutlook at outlook.com. We're on Facebook at Orient Outlook Podcast and we're on Instagram at Orient underscore Outlook underscore Podcast. And what we didn't mention, we've had quite a lot of DMs this week, Mr. Levy. Thank you to Kevin Cowland who sent us a great DM with plenty of points that we haven't read out. Great points there raised by Kevin. Thank you to Nigel Conway as well for his DM this morning. Again, great points raised. Thank you for everyone who kind of gets involved with the podcast and keep sending your views our way. Yeah, no, absolutely. But just to jump back to Ben Whitlock, yeah, he's absolutely right. I do want to see effort, and I didn't see a lot of that yesterday or last week either. Um, And yeah, you know, Ross is a young emerging talent. Uh, who's learning, he's making mistakes, whether they're the same mistakes week in, week out, you know, could be argued, but at the end of the day, you also see experienced managers that also get it wrong and make, you know, repeated, you know, uh, errors as well. So, you know, th- there is no such thing as the perfect manager. You know, some managers will have better seasons than others. Um, you know, they'll get po- poached and move up to bigger clubs and, and all the rest of it. But, 
at the end of the day, can only deal with what's in front of us. But I think that Ben Whitlock tweet is a, is a tremendous tweet. And we just love Orient for being Orient. It's very Orient what, what's, what's going on now. Um, yeah. So moving on then, that rounds up Bolton. We're now at an hour and 11 minutes. So there was a lot of, a lot of social media activity yesterday. If you're not on Twitter, that's not a bad thing, I don't think, after some games. But it's still, it's still raging on. Uh, now, uh, as the flash, uh, the alerts are flashing up on my phone. Um, but um, we're going to move on to the Design Cadby Prediction League. Uh, for those that don't know, Design Cadby specialise in company branding, advertising, print, digital, and logo design. With all Orient fans getting fifteen percent off. And for those that may have seen it, for those that haven't, uh, our podcast sponsor AJF Plastering recently had some tremendous videos. Uh, short videos promoting their work done by James and uh, I think they look tremendous. Um, you can find James on social media. He is at Design Cadby and that's Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Or if you want to get in touch with James uh, the old-fashioned way, uh, you can email him hello at jamescadby.com. Yeah, so massive well done yesterday. We had four correct predictions. So well done to Osman yeah. Basin at Poplar 32, at Steve White, LOFC, and at Wadsey. All got the correct results, so all got three points, which means the top of the Prediction League is getting very tight. We have tight. Tight. <laughs> gone so all international on, on me. Points. What's that mean? You've gone all international on me. I have. I've gone all Dutch, the Netherlands. <laughs> so on 23 points, joint top, we have Dan Olsen, 2590, David Landau, 17, and Wadsey. Behind on 20 points, Ozfan Basings. He's climbing his way up there. And in third place on 17 points, we have John Band, 630-65473. And as always, thank you for your predictions. Two chances coming up in the week to get more points for yourselves on the scoreboard that we'll talk about shortly on the pod. Yeah, so there was no news to report from the club today, Sunday the 31st of January. So we're going to wrap this up now uh, with the Fancy Football update. Paul Baker is top of the Orient Outlook podcast, Fancy Football League. He's ahead of Pat Morgan, who's in second place. Steve's dropped a little bit down to 34th out of 295 players. So doing all right there, though, Steve? Not doing bad. I think the table's got updated today's fixture, so I think... I dare say it will look very different in the morning. So I think I might go a few places, but thank you to everyone who plays in the Iron Outlook podcast fantasy Premier League. So let's move on into the positives and negatives of the week. We have got two positives this week, so I'll do those. First of all, the partnership with Hartford Athletic can only be good for the club. Seems like they've got a decent reach in the US, more good brand exposure for the O's can only be a good thing. So we're happy with that one. And second of all, it could be quite a big one, I think, for the future. Adam Thompson signing. I'm very excited what Adam Thompson can bring to the club. And we may see him in an orange shot on Tuesday night. I'd at least expect him to be on the bench, if I'm totally honest, if he's not starting at that one. So yeah. those are the positives of the week. Mr Levy, you want to go for the negatives? Yeah, it leads me to do the negatives then. So obviously the loss and the performance against Bolton, and I think probably arguably you could add in there the last two performances that we've had, including Forest Green. Uh, A negative, uh, no return date for Danny Johnson yet, or Leanne Gold. They're still being assessed, and and, uh, Ross said in his post-match that uh, Danny's been on the bikes at the training ground uh, over the course of this weekend. So, you know, hopefully he's not that far away. Uh, Well, he said said it was great, didn't he? He didn't... Dave asked him when he he thought he would be back, and Ross couldn't answer the question because of the damage he said mm. it was a grey a kind of a grey area because yeah, yeah, yeah. so, I don't know how he's going to react so I'm, 
I'm suspicious it could be worse than what the club are making it out, which I hope it isn't. But the fact that Ross, who's normally very open and very honest in these interviews, couldn't give any kind of timeline makes me think it might be a bit worse than what we realise. Although I hope it's not. Absolutely. And the final one is the fact that Orient fans are really arguing quite vociferously as well. And some of it's quite, you know, they're turning on each other. And it's really sort of quite horrible at times to see that people can't exchange views without making it either personal or without being so cutting and to turn stuff into digs and, and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. And people do stuff in the heat of the moment they may well either live by or, or, or regret doing. But, uh, yeah, so it's just a little bit unpleasant out there at times. But at the end of the day, we all want what's best uh, for the club. So we'll move on then to our Hero of the Week, Mr Nussbaum. Yeah, we absolutely will. So not many contenders, but a man who's been a consistent performer over the season and again yesterday performed really well. So our Hero of the Week is Lawrence Vigarou. So well done to Lawrence. It made some great saves and had it not been for Lawrence, we'd probably be talking about a heavier defeat. So let's move on into next week's fixtures. A busy week coming up as the Tuesday-Saturday fixtures are back. They certainly are. First up, we're travelling down to Crawley Town on Tuesday the 2nd of February. We meet up with Josh Wright and Jordan Maguire-Drew, who we'd expect to not be playing against his parent club. Obviously, Jordan is on loan there. Josh made a permanent transfer. Crawley are currently 12th in League 2, having lost 3-1 away to Cambridge on Saturday. Their last five games, they won three, drawn one and lost one. Josh Wright will play and he'll probably have a great match. I just hope we don't concede a penalty there because you can see Josh Wright stepping up and scoring the penalty. Um, Crawley, yeah, below us in the league, but they've played two games less. Obviously, their cup run made him yes. come out of the league and they had a bit of a COVID outbreak if I'm right so they're slightly they behind in terms of how many games they've played so a bit of a six point of that one so we've got a terrible record at Crawley hopefully Tuesday night can be the start of turning around our recent poor form yeah they're they're 12th on 20 they've played 23 games to our 25 so yeah they've yeah. got a little bit of catching up to do but they Josh both Josh and um uh, and uh, Jordan played Jordan. yesterday as well. So they're getting their match time uh, at Crawley. There's no question or a doubt there. Then on Saturday the 6th of Feb, we entertain A12 rivals Colchester United, who are currently 18th in League 2. They lost 1-0 to Scunthorpe at home on Friday night. They haven't won a, a game in five games as they've drawn three and lost two. We have to be up for this. I mean, Look at their form. Who's it remind you of going into this one? Reminds yeah. you of a Bolton team lacking in confidence. It reminds you of a Forest Green Rovers team lacking in confidence. It's important the players are up for this one. And Colchester will be up for this, you would imagine. It's a local mm. derby for them. They've been getting not the best results lately. You think they'll be up for this one, but we have to be up for it. We have to match them. I want to see those players coming off the pitch in both games this week. Mud on the shirts, fighting for the shirts and... For them all to come off the pitch and go, right, I gave 100% in that one and I'm proud of what I achieved on the pitch. For us to go, right, we had a game plan. The game plan worked. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Turning up and giving 100% effort, as Ben said in his tweet earlier. So a sponsorship reminder then, don't forget that for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads, LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. Yeah, that is it. Thank you for joining us for episode 233. It's been a bit longer than expected, a bit more rantier than expected. So yeah. thank you for bearing with us 
in addition to branching out into the US football market with a new partnership with USL Club Hartford Athletic. We made our third signing off the transfer window with defender Adam Thompson, who has two promotions on his CV and is a player. We look forward to watching for the O's. I'm going to quickly go off piece a little bit. Transfer window closes tomorrow, I it believe, 11pm. Yeah. Ross did say that Ross didn't say there weren't going to be any more transfers, did he? No. So, possibly. I'd be surprised, though. But you I'd never be surprised know. if there wasn't one or two coming in or going out. Mystic Levy. No, I, I, I know. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Getting the crystal ball out and giving it a polish. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if if at least one didn't come in or one go out. You know, at the, at the end of the day, players that need a contract for next season probably want to go and put themselves in a shop window. Uh, be that at outgoing players from Leighton Orient or those looking to come in. Um, you know, like Nick I, Freeman, for example. I can't see anyone leaving because of injuries. Mm. However. And I've got no substance to this. I think based on the lack of chances being created and the fact Dan Gold is out and they haven't told us how long he's out for and Danny Johnson's grey, I think we might see Striker come in, possibly. Possibly. But I'm, but I'm just basing that on complete from a fan perspective. Yeah. So, so anybody we'll listening to this after tomorrow's <laughs> transfer deadline closure, <laughs> then let us know how good we were. Yeah, we've already had Mystic Levy. I've pretty much got everything wrong so far in this transfer window by saying James Dean, Josh Wright wouldn't leave. So what do I know? So we will see. So yes. by the time we record episode two, three, four next week, the transfer window will have closed. So our business for the second half of the season will be done. The refresh of the squad complete. Fingers crossed, outlookers. We'll be talking about two wins videos and maybe, maybe more new signings. So if you're listening on iTunes, please Sorry, subscribe. Sorry, just before, Steve, just before you, you missed the paragraph before, mate. Oh, did I? Yeah. Okay, by the time... Oh, yeah, so on the pitch, it wasn't the best display at Bolton, who weren't particularly good, but crucially, they scored two goals, kept the clean sheet, which we didn't do. The form table was blown out of the window as the O's slipped to a defeat against a team who hadn't won this year, and it just goes to show you how open and inconsistent the league is at the moment it so like I was saying episode does. 2, 3, 4 next week hopefully Mr Levy we'll be yeah. talking about 2 wins we'll be looking at the table we'll Hope be saying so. our great losses and how we're going to get promoted in May <laughs> well, let's not get ahead of ourselves if you're listening on <laughs> iTunes please subscribe give our podcast a 5 star rating it really does help bring the podcast to a new audience um, review on whatever platform you get your podcasts on that would be greatly appreciated as well if you are listening on SoundCloud Spotify TuneIn Stitcher or any of your Android apps add us to your favourites that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them we're on smart speakers as well um, so listening to the podcast has got even easier. And if you've got an older relative or a loved one or an Orient chum who you think would like to hear some of the views and uh, news of what's going on around the club, grab their phone or just help them to download it and basically pass on the pod. Now, one thing I forgot to do last week, uh, Mr Nussbaum, and one thing I'd like to do uh, commend you on, for those that don't know, uh, is about your fantastical podcast. I have to say, I'm most of the way through listening to cricket legend Mark Butcher He's brilliant. He's got some great he, stories. Yeah, he's amazing. So if anyone doesn't know, I run uh, in furlough world. I started a solo podcast all about music and I get my friends on. So the Bearded Legend was my first guest uh, on the Fantastical Podcast. I'm now up to episode 
36. So I speak to friends and I speak to musicians and sports personalities about their music tastes. So we speak all about music and create their fantasy festival. So last week I had Mark Butcher on, England and Sussex cricket legend. Uh, this week I got Martin Stevenson on from Martin Stevenson and the Dainties, who were fa- well, are a fantastic band, had four amazing albums in the late 80s, early 90s. So if you're into music and if you like the Outlook podcast, why not go and search out the Fantastical podcast? It's available on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor anywhere else it would be much much appreciated um and you'd be listening to a fellow orient fan talking about his second massive passion thank you for the shout out there mr levy much no no it's great love listening to it it's a really good format um and you explain in the podcast how it all works but anyway we're going to be back with episode 234 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need and we look forward to hearing from you and as always keep calm have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the arrows.